This is a Working With Warriors podcast by the team at the Regional Men's Health Initiative. G'day and welcome. My name's Terry Melrose and today we follow on with our series of conversations around the tough subject of suicide. We're sticking with that theme of you can't address a problem without talking about it and today we really want to tackle and talk about some of those myths around suicide. So today I'm joined by my two colleagues, Owen Caddo and Glenn Duncanen. G'day, fellas. G'day, Terry. Yeah, how you going, Glenn and Terry? Now, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, we quite often talk about, as a society, you know, political correctness um, can sometimes stifle us from having a robust discussion, and conversations around suicide is a classic example of this, isn't it? It definitely is, Terry, and it, it inhibits both the conversation and then then our role under primary care, you know, so people are a bit hesitant to to have that conversation, and, and that's probably a myth in itself. So we've got to we've got to confront it head on. We've got to have a conversation, and and any conversation in any language is better than no conversation. Um, it's as simple as that. Yep, and and it doesn't matter what the issues are in our life. It, we, we've got to start with a conversation. Now we do acknowledge. You know, talking about suicide, um, it does always present some material and some content that some people will find distressing. Um, and we just want to remind anyone out there, if, if you yourself are feeling depressed or suicidal or know of someone who you might be concerned about or expressing um, some negative thoughts or suicidal ideations, please contact one of the following services. Lifeline on 13 11 14, Men's Line Australia, 1300 789 978 and always in an emergency or a crisis call triple zero or we may have to present or get someone to uh, our local emergency department now look guys this um talking about suicide there's a lot of research out there academia um the context of of lived experience but today just talking around some myths of suicide because there are quite often a lot of misconceptions the rumor mill around suicide and it's important we 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 uncover some of those misconceptions i suppose yeah absolutely terry and just there's some latest research that that has been done to back up campaigns and and the many millions of dollars spent on suicide awareness and prevention but that suicide research just backs up and it's really recent stuff the the myths that we're going to talk about today so we've done enough research now is the time to be be talking and acting on on these myths in community i suppose one of the the big myths that that is pretty prevalent in terms of suicide is that most suicides occur with little or no warning uh we've got to understand the fact that people who are in that position are quite often very good at keeping a lot of those signs, uh, keeping some of those signs hidden. They're quite adept at it. But we all communicate our feelings in, in various ways all the time, um, the way we behave, our emotional behaviour, and through direct statements. And, and suicide's no different to any other feelings that we have. So some of those things that we, we might see in others might be that negative view of themselves, aggressiveness and irritability, um, isolation and feeling alone, self-harm. There's, there's all sorts of ones, and all of them in isolation may not mean too much, but if there's a combination of some of those factors, then it can, then it can be a bit of a, an alarm bell ringing for us. And, and in, in hindsight with that, Glenn, when we've gone in postvention and talked to people when there's been a suicide in their family or workplace or, 
or wherever, um, in hindsight, when we sit down around a table and have that discussion, we come up with, not we, but the people come up with 10, 12, 14, 20 things that have happened in hindsight that were were a, a you know a hint of something that was going to happen. And quite often only little subtle changes in, in one's, what we call someone's normal behaviour. And, and I remember, um, you know, we've had conversations around the bloke who, who wasn't a big talker, but he, he grunted less. It's those little subtleties quite often that, yeah, hindsight is, is an amazing thing, but um, it, it highlights that importance just to be, you know, be aware of people's actions and behaviours around us. Absolutely. Another myth is that most suicides are the result of one single traumatic event. You know, um, sometimes an event may precipitate the action, but suicide is rarely the result of a single event. It is an amalgamation of a whole range of issues and shit going on in people's life. And when we talk to the many individuals who are suicidal and and in that space it's it's it is just a raft of stuff going on in their in their life situational factors yes it can be mental illness we've just got to bear that in mind so we talk a lot uh about situational distress and this is this is no different it's that that damn wall so it might not be that final thing that puts them over the edge it's that cumulative effect uh, or the, I suppose you can say the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's that build up and build up and build up where the finally it overflows. Another myth is is don't talk about it with someone you may think be at at risk. You know, um, we the research tells us that talking about suicide does not create or increase risk, and avoidance of any subject leaves a person feeling more isolated and alone, and that's on the back of research around someone suffering from a mental illness or situational distress and the research is tells us that 99.9% of people want to just be asked about their stuff and suicide that sense of being alone and no one cares when we talk to survivors of of attempted suicide you know uh, it's very real so so we have to have that conversation Look, and another leading bit of research from, from Suicide Prevention Australia talks about how, how quite a high percentage of the population, up to about 80, 85% of people when faced with a really difficult life event, will have that thought of suicide. Now, we acknowledge that thought is not a good thought, but at the same time, if we can acknowledge that thought, put it down and move on, Having someone just talk to us and let us know, you know, you, no, you don't have a mental health problem. There's not something wrong with you. You're just dealing with some really difficult events and situations that, that are outside of your control. Um, but it's that one person who's harboring that thought, carrying it. No one's asking them. No one's showing them any concern that, that that thought can become overwhelming. And we know thought becomes a, a plan and a plan can ultimately turn into an action. One of the other myths is that Youth suicide's an impulsive act, and that kind of follows on from what we're just talking about in that from the outside looking in, it might appear that way, but most youths just, um, consider quite carefully their actions, and, and that can lead and not only in youth but in, in people reaching that sort of suicidal ideation, that, that funnel thinking where the, the further into the spiral they get, the less, the less options they can see uh, and the less 
networks of, of help they, they feel are available to them and so that they, they end up not being able to see the things that an outside observer might be able to see and, and I, I suppose we've all been in that position where we think, geez, didn't they, they just think that they, they could approach this person or couldn't, couldn't they see that they could do that? But it's that limited vision that they have as they get deeper and deeper into the problems. Yeah, and I think as well, Glenn, uh, we know with youth, if if there's been a predisposition to a mental illness or mental health episode in their life, well, then that that increases their risk not only in adolescence but through through life's journey. Definitely, and and not only with that, you sort of couple with that possibly a degree of immature thinking, but. Um, but then you also couple with that sort of the, I suppose, the newly discovered drugs and alcohol, or at a time in their life when they're being exposed to those sorts of things, that can exacerbate the problem even more. Absolutely. Yep. Now um, another one. Quite often, a myth around suicide is that a person who talks about suicide will not. So it's important to understand that people who talk about suicide are often looking for a reason not to. You know, it's important that we take any disclosure quite seriously. And look, in, in, a, in a previous life working at a um, frontline government agency, quite often people in significant distress, um, uh, we talk about desperate people say desperate things. That was a line that was quite often thrown out to us regularly and and always really important to to follow that up with some some serious questioning and we do know when we follow up quite often with people who say it you know they will say um no well of course i I wouldn't do it but you know it's just the way i'm feeling or i wouldn't do it because of my kids and that but if we don't ask it can lead to that thought to festering and that thought of no one caring you're right terry and and the some research behind that is that eight out of ten suicides have spoken about their intent before before killing themselves so that's a really important you know it's an important part of the conversation to have and and I guess it goes on to that next the next myth about a suicidal person wants to die and you know pretty passionate about this in the sense that we've talked to lots of attempted suicides and worked with a lot of people that are right at the tipping point and and they just don't want to die they ultimately want to stop the pain that they're in, and they're in. They are in deep pain. They're on the bottom run of the ladder, and and um, it's going to be a whole lot easier for the rest of the world if I'm not here. So, so it really is um, important that that we step up, you know, in our role as primary care there to to be having that conversation, and and the world is a better place with them being here, um, and and let's work on on that pain. Yeah, definitely. And it is about reconnecting with those parts of their life that are want, they're wanting to live and, and be here and, and reminding them of that and supporting them than, and in that space. Definitely right, Alan. So another of the, the myths that sometimes gets trotted out is that some people attempt suicide just to get attention. And there are people who self-harm for attention, but in a crisis, don't try and differentiate between them. Just treat the situation as a really serious risk. Which we all should, Glenn, and, and there's a lot of experts around that talk about um, doing risk analysis and, and, and putting in risk factors. But anytime anyone's struggling with suicidal thoughts, 
we need to act and have that conversation once again because it's not up to us and even the experts can't bloody determine the risks, you know, categories and factors down to the, the, the different individuals. Now, and that talking of risk factors quite often is associated with, you know, lower socioeconomic groups. So there's that myth that only poor people will complete suicide, which we know, you know, anyone who's, who's been around knows that suicide is anyone, anywhere, anytime. It's across all demographics from, you know, movie stars to celebrities all the way through um, from our, our elite athletes to, to, to everyday citizens, mate. So um, really important that we we can get a bit too caught up on a specific group and at the detriment that, you know, we're all in it at the end of the day. And, and if you just take men, for example, it's not till the last suicide strategy that men or blokes have been identified at an at-risk category. We, you know, we're across all demographics, but the bloke category is really important. Yep. Um, when we talk about suicide is an individual choice it's none of my business this this is a challenging one for people um because we quite often are concerned about sticking our nose in someone else's business respecting people's rights you know we are society of individuality and choice these days but i think we are a society and what others do do impact on us um we think about the ripple effect of suicide, um, the effect in families and communities. So we we need to acknowledge that primary care isn't for everyone, but I think for the majority of us, when we talk about us as humans, we are we rely on social connection. Relationships are important to us. Um, you know, just that the basis of the family unit and how important that is to society, the tribe. So when we add all that up together. It is our business, isn't it? It is. It's just not another job. And I reckon primary care, it's a heart of what we do and we push in our job. And, and, and it really involves being able to establish a, an empathetic relationship with another person. And I reckon we can all do that. And we can notice those little changes in the people around us, in our family, our workplace, our community group. And that's that observation that um, something's not right and it and we need to be able to speak up and and be empathetic. It's so obvious that this bottom-up approach with community sort of wrapping around people who are having this struggle with suicidality, it, it's so important that it is driven from a community level rather and and that then negates that that myth that it, it's someone else's job, thinking that someone top-down is going to suddenly fix all the problems because we've got... Uh, as you're saying, on the, the the people that are most likely to notice the differences in behaviour, other people are on the ground already. The people that are there, not not the person that you meet for the first time when you're worried about someone. And, and what we're talking about here, guys, leads exactly into our our next myth and that reason why people quite often are hesitant. To, to going in and trying to talk it and address it is because there's that myth that, you know, suicide's complex. They need more help than I can provide. And and it is really important that when we un- talk about that context of primary care, you know, who, whose problem is it? It's not my uh, 
responsibility uh, to take on the actions of another one. But some of the underlying problems, we, we do acknowledge, we spoke about the layers of, of issues in one's life, um, complexity around relationship breakdown with, you know, there's a big link to, to early childhood trauma or post-traumatic stress quite often. The interplay between drugs and alcohol and the effect on on, on mental health issues. Um, so those issues are complex. Quite often dealing with those issues need specialist intervention. You know, we need the professionals to come and, and help us support through those individual needs. Um, but the actual issue of someone living or dying can be quite simple and finite at the end of the day, can't it? No, really important. I think we've been talking about that today is, is that last point that you said Terry is the most important so we act now we act now if someone is you know and that's that's making them safe making putting in your suicide action plan which which we can all do you know um having a conversation just keeping that person safe if that's providing a safe place well you know so be it in whatever format but but it is one of the biggest inhibitors of people taking action and 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 our intervention into primary care, and and we talk about it all the time. But it is at our base level that we are going to make a difference in the community about suicide because the top down stuff is not working. And important to remember, they're not two separate things. So so primary care underpins or is very important for people getting to that next level of health, that professional help and support. So I don't think we should separate them too much because there is there is an o- overlap. So it is important to um, have a pathway for people to, to get to that expert or professional clinical care. Um, a big and important part of the work we do, which is around looking after your mates, suicide awareness, you know, it's, it's understanding how we can effectively support someone struggling with life events or in a state of distress. And it really reinforces that message, you know, don't underestimate the power and importance we can have supporting someone through a difficult patch in their life. Now, guys, just to sum up or summarise a little bit, there's three important points that, that we talk about when we're discussing suicide. Yeah, look, and the the first point, we these are take-home messages that we should have in our frontal lobe, is, is a distressed, suicidal person does not want to die. They want to stop the pain. And I say that with a heavy hand on my heart because we talk to lots of people that are in pain that we can only we can't imagine. Um, so that's a really important point to take home. Secondly, it's safe to talk about thoughts of suicide with at-risk people. Uh, the risk that we that we have then if we don't talk to them is that they feel unsupported and that they don't feel safe in terms of raising the fact that they are having these feelings. So talking about it is a doorway to accessing help down the track. Look, and the third one is, as I just said before, suicide is not usually a complex decision, but it's those reasons behind the suicidal thoughts are complex, those situational distresses, the relationship issues, the financial issues, the pain and trauma, and they're the things we need to encourage and acknowledge and get people to help, the right sort of help to deal with those issues and act early. That's from a personal responsibility perspective, but also as primary care, pushing people to help um, is the best way to go. Rightio, guys, as well as all the professional support and help out there that, that can be a challenge to get to, we always got to acknowledge our, our go-to, which is Men's Line Australia, a 24-7 support and advice line for blokes. This line is manned um, or staffed by 
counsellors and they can be contacted on 1300 789 978. Uh, really important conversation today, fellas, trying to unpack some of those myths and the more we can talk about it uh, and empower people to have those conversations, hopefully we can gain a bit more traction in our communities and society and, uh, yeah, start, start pushing forward a bit with some positive outcomes for people. Yeah, good on you. Cheers, guys. Excellent, thanks. Thanks for listening to our Working With Warriors podcast series. 